So yeah, prior to this past week, I had never seen a show on Netflix. The Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary that got released last week, that was the first show that I've ever seen on Netflix. I enjoyed that. You guys should go check it out, so... The reason this podcast is happening right now is thanks to Arnold Schwarzenegger, so... Thank you, Arnold. Yeah, so this show... First of all, as the podcast host here, it's really difficult to talk, to to try to say something interesting, to fill a podcast, while I'm also absorbing watching a television show for the first time simultaneously. But we're all going to leave this in. It's going to be uncut. Hopefully you guys can hear the audio mix uh, correctly. But I think I've calibrated that, so it should be okay. So, this Netflix show, this is the first episode called The Maverick, and it's going to cover Nick Curios at the 2022 Australian Open. It's a docu-series that follows certain players around the ATP and WTA tours. Um, not all the players um, assigned signed up to do it, but obviously the players that um, appear in this documentary, they did. There could be some dead air, or there will be uh, patches of dead air during the podcast while I'm reacting to stuff, but yeah, that's right. There is so much pressure. So obviously, in the early stages here, they have to set the stage here. Oh, there was a quote from Andy Roddick. They got Andy Roddick to sit for this. And what defines greatness is the ability to manage these big moments. But I'm just continuing my uh, thoughts here. Um, during the Australian Open back in January, when these first episodes dropped, it's what you worked your whole life to do. It's now or never. There was the Netflix curse because all these players were losing early at the Australian Open when these episodes dropped. Breakpoint, episode one, The Maverick. Hello and welcome to the Australian Open 2022. The tennis season kicks off here at Melbourne Park, home of the Australian Open. Tennis is back. And the first slam of the year is always fresh with hope. The 2022 Australian Open was a long time ago at this point. Even in this January, it was a long time ago. And that could be... Oh, they got Courtney Wynn! I don't think I've ever seen her on camera. 
They offer the most prize. Courtney wins a legend. They are the ones that everybody tunes into. Forty deuce twits. It's all about the energy, the people, the noise. Maria Sharapova. See, I get goosebumps. It's so exciting. <laughs> she looks different. Grand slams and tennis are different. They're big. They're historic. The ultimate goal. Yeah, I don't need to be told what grand slams are. Good. You know, Netflix. They're beautiful. And again, the state of tennis in America right now, the people that need to be told what grand slams are, they're not watching this show. Physically very taxing. It's mentally very taxing. You know, and sometimes this show needs to be made for me, not for people that not for people that don't know what tennis is. Cuz they're not watching a tennis show on Netflix. This is not Drive to Survive. There's only one Drive to Survive. And we can talk about that too. Everyone talks about how Drive to Survive is this big generational show, but how many people have actually watched it, you know? How many people actually watched F1 because of that show? I'm skeptical. I watched F1 because of the 2021 title fight. I'm really excited to play. I'm excited too. Um... Golf also has one of these documentary shows now, and they were filming last week when um, um, the PGA Tour and the Live Tour merged. Okay, now they're talking about Curios. <laughs> Tell me about Nick Kyrgios. Uh, <laughs> I could say a lot about Nick. He's probably the most talented tennis player from our generation. He's one of the only players in the game to have beaten a big three. So yeah, Nick Kyrgios. I remember practicing in the FSU practice rooms back in my... Oh, John McEnroe, shut up! I can't... Oh, they got John McEnroe for this. Very annoying. He's not a bad guy, but he just becomes a devil when he enters the court. Sits a pass calling him the devil. Obviously, um... Remember the uh, 2022 Wimbledon match between Kyrgios and Tsitsipas. Amazing. And I believe Netflix was filming that too. And that hasn't dropped yet. Because the, the, the five episodes that have dropped so far, they cover the Australian Open 2022 to Roland Garros 2022. Message me saying, Morning horses. <laughs> Give Nico a big, big hug for me. Miss him, kiss, kiss, kiss. Why wouldn't she just message me that? I don't know. <laughs> this is what happens. Thank you. Nick is getting some plant thing to eat. So, yeah, this footage would be from January 2022. Daniel Horsefall, Nick's manager, is on camera right now. I'm not familiar familiar with him. Just making sure that he feels good, you know. And I think that's pretty important for someone who doesn't have a trainer, who doesn't have a coach. So I'll come pick you up again later if I'm going to go train tennis. Sure. Yeah. 
we've been together about two and a half months. So yeah, they're showing whoever Kyrgios' girlfriend was at this time. And obviously, last year there was the story with uh, Kyrgios being charged in the domestic uh, violence situation. So, yeah, this is all new for me. I don't think this is the same person. prepared to play every match in pretty extreme conditions. I really did Playing in Australia in January kind of feels like you're playing in a hairdryer for five or six hours. Australia is such a sports-mad country, so that's a lot of pressure for the Australian players when they play in Melbourne. Yeah, Courtney, it's always uh, pressure for all the home players really, at all really the slams. More heavily than Australia than anywhere else. This is going to be his first tournament since 2021 U.S. Open. So yeah, Nick Kyrgios. Um. He's like a part-time tennis player. I remember. He doesn't play that often. Yeah. He takes months off at a time. Yes, he does. It's like a hobby. Yeah. Nick Kyrgios is a part-time player. Andy Roddick is absolutely right. I'm, we're taping this Argon Productions in the studio here. We're taping this on June 12th, 2023. And Kyrgios is um, making his uh, 2023 debut tomorrow, so Roddick's absolutely right. Talking about current stuff here, Kyrgios has actually had a tough year personally as a human being. He's had to have the knee surgery to get... I go about my tennis or my life or my career compared to every other tennis player. To get I play for hit. 10, 11 weeks of the year, but I'm hitting the ball as good as ever. I definitely feel my level is there. He doesn't want it! He does not want it! What a point! He's had the knee surgery to get his fluid drained out of his knee in 2023, and he just recently had a home invasion or a burglary that he had to deal with. So that's um, quite unfortunate. Curios is one of those guys that when he's winning and when he's... He has to straddle the act. He's kind of like Medvedev. When Medvedev is winning, his antics work. And when he's lost, it doesn't work. Curios is kind of the same. If he straddles the entertaining side of... Um, subverting the rules it's quite entertaining but if he's losing uh, it kind of becomes tough to watch honestly all of the color all of the excitement of day one of Australian Open 2022 okay Australian Open first round there's 128 men again being told how many players are in a Grand Slam draw, I do not need to know this. All playing knockout rounds over two weeks. In tennis, it is eat what you kill. Every round a player wins, they earn a cash prize. If you are not winning matches, you are not making money. That's the bottom line. That's actually not true, Courtney. First round prize money for Grand Slams is actually substantial, or at least more than they used to be. Six games, 
wins a set. Oh my god. Six games wins a set? Oh my god. I do not need to know this. Play best of five. With the Grand Slam on the line, you have to be ready to go straight out of the blocks. Nick Kyrgios versus Liam Brody. ESPN today said he was hearing rumblings this was going to be your last year on tour. Is mm -hmm. that accurate? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I'll probably be planning all, to play, but... All the people in the I'm press room in this tomorrow. video have masks on. January 2022. I think I remember watching this match. I do remember watching this match. I watched this match live when it happened. Oh, this was when school was canceled. That's right. So I had the whole two weeks to watch that tournament. Or was that 21? Maybe it was... T no, it had to be 22, right? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I can't remember. I think it was 22. Liam Brody, fucking competitor right here. This going be a good one. From the United Kingdom, please welcome Liam Brody. From Australia, Nick Kyrgios. Woo! He promised us a good show, and hopefully he can deliver. Thank you. Players are ready. Cannot wait for this one to unfold. Great. But Kyrgios has been around forever at this point. Um, what I was saying earlier about what I remember reading his uh, score on the junior final on the uh, Australian Open app when I was practicing in the Florida State practice rooms. And he was a big babyface guy. I wish I would have had his talent. And they were showing a, a clip from earlier. Okay, now they're talking about his serve. Yeah, his serve is maybe the best serve in the game right now. Um, um, John Isner is outside of the top 100 as of today, and Kyrgios is ranked 25th in the world. So, I think it's fair to say, as an individual shot, his serve's better than anybody in the top 100, probably. Obviously, when you get into match situations, the serve is not the only thing that determines who wins and loses. But in a serving contest, Kyrgios would probably beat anybody. If you want an experience, you watch Nick. Anybody active on tour, anyway. Because uh, Karlovich and uh, Roddick are long gone. He hits a shot and he starts like throwing up his hands. People like. Ugh. The crowds evolve. But yeah, Kyrgios is not an ethnic Australian, right? He's an ethnic Greek, hence the last name, Kyrgios. Sue! <laughs> I 
gross. They just showed a fan drinking out of a shoe there. Is that an Australian thing? Because I think Daniel Ricardo is he Australian? The former, the former F1 driver. When he won a race, he would drink out of the shoe. Remember the uh, the 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 Rob Koenig expression. He's got the crowd into a religious fervor. He used that with Andreas Seppi in Rome. And years ago, there was a fourth-round match against somebody. Maybe it was Seppi, actually. At the 20, 2015 Australian Open fourth round, Kyrgios played somebody, and that was, that was one of those sort of typical Kyrgios matches. Now he's got the number two player in the world. Oh yeah, the Medvedev match. That was a fun match. Medvedev won that in four sets. Kyrgios could have won that. Medvedev in this match, given the amount of tennis Nick has played. I'm interested to see what is his level. It's not easy when you don't play a lot of tennis. It's not easy when you don't play a lot of tennis. You got to pump yourself up. It's not going to be easy for him. So they're showing Kyrgios getting treatment on his hip right now. When you're making a show like this, how how much of this stuff is authentic, right? Is this literally what the exact same thing that would have happened if they didn't know there were cameras there? There's got to be a performative aspect on all of, on most of this stuff. I mean, there's got to be. I mean, you guys, people that are listening to this know when you're in a social situation or when you know you're being watched, you just behave differently. I think everyone knows that I'm capable of beating anyone on any given day, but... Yep, he is. ...on how I'm feeling. That's why I have to do it my way. Yep, it's the Nick Kyrgios Roadshow. Round two, 64 players remain, in case you guys didn't know that. As we kick off second round action at the Australian Open... Yeah, after the first three minutes, it's become a lot easier to talk over this. So, so far, they've just talked mostly to Kyrgios, right? They haven't talked about the other players that have signed up for this show. So, uh, narratively, I wonder how they're going to structure this. Is it going to be episode one focuses on this guy, episode two focuses on this guy? Or are they going to make it more of a chronological thing? Because it covers the episodes that have been released they cover a chronological period the first six months of 2022 they could narratively use both of those things to tie it together that would be more complex obviously again showing the match footage of you know matches within the last two years don't have you know much to say about that necessarily So let's talk about tennis documentaries, yeah? There aren't that many, but there are some. Um, 
the first prominent one that I recall in recent years it was the ESPN 30 for 30. Um, this is what they want, which chronicled uh, the Jimmy Connors. Was it 1991, maybe? U.S. Open semifinal run. That was a good documentary. Um, there was a McEnroe and Borg one called Fire and Ice, which I haven't uh, seen. And now we have. Uh, and now we got the the uh, Netflix uh, series here. This is this is a little bit different because you're talking about relatively recent things, or you know, it, it is kind of an interview show, but it's interspersed with sort of stuff that's happening in real time, as opposed to a documentary like This Is What They Want. That's made decades after the fact. Yeah, Medi won that first set, seven six. Opportunity slipped. You have to go there and 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 take it. Yeah. You have to be mentally there the entire time. You cannot be inconsistent. You cannot have an. What if the opponent did not sign the Netflix deal? How much can they be filmed? Can they be filmed by Netflix? Is the footage that we're seeing right now shot by a Netflix camera? Or is this all archival footage from uh, the original broadcast? Who knows? Just another body blow to Kyrgios. Medvedev proving to be Kyrgios's kryptonite. Listen, listen. No one, I don't want to talk to you. Listen to me. Yeah? Hold on the screen. I don't want to talk to you. And then just goes bang. The psychoanalysis of Nick Curios is one of the uh, great uh, pastimes of uh, tennis fans over the last decade. Yes. Sometimes I do cross the line. Yes. That's just my passion. That's just my emotion. No, it's not. He does it on purpose. Millions of people. See, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing the psychoanalysis. Would you not be armchair psychology, everybody? Tweener. Oh, he didn't get there. Yeah, this match, this, this was before Wimbledon last year, uh, this match showed the disparity between Kyrgios and an established guy at that point like Medvedev, because Medvedev was coming off winning the previous Grand Slam, and um, Kyrgios was known as this part-time guy. <laughs> I love that, the little hand gesture, that's great. I love Medi. But at the time, this win was a, a, it was a damnation of Kyrgios's approach. It was a criticism of it. He still plays as well as ever, doesn't he? And is this a last goodbye? He still hasn't played the Australian Open since then because he missed it this year. 
No, he hasn't, because he was going to make a Grand Slam final six months later. I believe Kyrgios is younger than me, so he's got time left. What I've said about guys like Kyrgios before, all it takes is two weeks to change your career, right? He could go 15 years of not meeting his potential, and then when he's 35, he could quote-unquote luck into an Australian Open title, and that would completely reframe his career. So, I think... The story of um, Kyrgios' career is not yet written or finished. Now we're at Canberra. Looks like looks like Cincinnati. Just regular old suburb. Because he's gone through some really his mom's talking now. Happy times. I'm a real chatterbox. He was beautiful, baby. He had all these curls. I thought he would look like a little girl. <laughs> he was chubby little boy. Yep, he was. Round seven, I think that's when he had his first lesson. I didn't really know how good I was. That's the shot. When I was about 17, I kind of just had a growth spurt. All of a sudden, I started sliding and moving. I was like, I've been blessed. And then things got quite serious. Why did he choose tennis, right? Okay, now they're, the Wimbledon 2014 win over Nadal, they're showing it here. That was big. My life changed. I was uh, sitting backstage doing something at FSU. Ruby Diamond Concert Hall. What would I have been doing at Ruby Diamond in July of 2014? Summer? I, w I would have been doing the summer band the high school summer band fsu summer music camps that's what i would have been doing in july of 2014 when i was watching that match good times nine years next month he's been around for a while to deal with much pressure after beating world number one he just became aggressive was just so angry, always angry at something. So his brother... What is... Oh, the chair at Rome. Yeah. Game penalty that was, wasn't it? After that, he was painted as this bad boy, and then he was the villain. Every article, every tabloid, every person just... Yeah, yes, he was painted as the bad boy. Because he did not conform to the norms of a white country club sport. But he also did it intentionally. just another unnecessary thing to deal with. It hurt. The first four or five years of my career, it was just so chaotic. How was it chaotic? When he was just basically him looking after me. He could just see my mental like, well-being and just declining. just declining every week. My life was kind of spiraling out of control. Drinking every single night. Drinking everything all night. On my phone. And on some mornings I would have to physically go and find where you were. What hotel you're at. Whose house you're staying at. Yeah, in the 2022 Wimbledon press conferences, I do remember Kyrgios talking about that stuff. My mental health could never be one of those players again that played all year round. I couldn't do that. Oh, that's interesting. My family, my 
he consciously thought, I'm not going to play you around? That's interesting to me. That's the first time I've heard that. I don't really have any expectations now in my matches. Like, I want to just go out there, have fun, and take the pressure off. And then we can kind of live more of a normal life. It's much better like this, that's for sure. It's not normal, though. You're on a Netflix documentary series, Nick. Oh, yeah, they won the doubles. That's right. The sensations that revolutionized the game. Spoiler alert, they didn't. It's not just about the singles in Melbourne. There's a grand slam up for grabs in the doubles. Matches are best of three sets, not five. Matches are best of three sets in the doubles, you guys. Guaranteed to be entertained this afternoon at Melbourne Park when these two hit the court. I speak of Nick Kyrgios and also Thanasi Kokonakis. I haven't said this yet, but Kyrgios likes basketball more than tennis. They just showed him wearing a Michael Jordan jersey, I think. Chicago 8. I'm used to it. So... Yeah, they can be toxic masculinity. The Sue thing, I think it's hilarious, but it was um, um, labeled by some as toxic masculinity when that was happening. So, I guess that means I'm uh, anti-feminist. No, I don't think that, but... Um, but, like, bro culture is not something that I'm really a fan of. So... The parts of Kyrgios and the parts of the Kyrgios Kokonakis pairing that um, extol bro culture, I, I don't really like that. I've had to deal with the bro culture kind of professionally as well, and it's not my favorite thing to deal with, let's just say. Because it's immaturity, it's people not talking about their actual feelings, people being emotionally dishonest because of whatever psychological reason they can't talk about what's really happening. Oh yeah, I remember that. They've kind of gone away, haven't they? Mektic and Pavic. I don't think they're number one anymore. Is my phone here? Yeah, let me get my phone. Two quality singles players up against a well-rehearsed doubles team. In Australia, people are smacking beers and they're cheering, their face painted. Okay, doubles. Um, I feel like that's what sport is, and I think tennis misses that a little bit. Yes, they do. Real festival atmosphere at Key Arena. <laughs> We're not professional doubles guys. We're singles guys that plays doubles, so it's different. A lot of doubles players work on angles. Yeah, I don't see Mektic and Pavic listed here. 
among teams in 2023 that have done well. They're 21st. So they've really... Uh, maybe losing to Kyrgios and uh, Kokonakis was a harbinger of things to come. The singles guys would beat the doubles guys if the singles guys played doubles. There's kind of an unspoken thing there. That the doubles, if you if you have to be a double specialist, that you couldn't make it in singles, and I think that's kind of been proven to be true, much to the resentment of the doubles players. This looks like match point here. Brian Bro's chest bump for the Aussie sensations. What did I say? What did I say? I told you. The fuck with us on Key Arena, yeah? We move this. Different. The headlines here in Australia, they're revolutionizing the sport. I might have to put an explicit tag on this podcast for Apple. I'm not sure how I do that exactly. He has shots that nobody else hits. He's got that talent, and that's why we go crazy. It's like, ah, why can't you put this energy into singles as well? Love him or loathe him, you can't take your eyes off the guy when he plays tennis. Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis have taken another step towards glory in the doubles. Let the wild ride continue. Kyrgios and Kokonakis through to the corners. He does well in the team format, and whether it's because John Wertheim or because the pressure is cut in half, and again, oh yeah, the special K's, that's right, like the cereal. It's interesting, the pacing of a show. They just spent several minutes on um, the second round doubles match, and then... They just covered the quarterfinal match just by putting the result on the screen and moving on. So it's kind of interesting how you have to pace a one-hour episode of television. What do you leave in? What do you take out? Editorially, how do you want to tell the story? I wonder if this girlfriend and him are still together. I don't really follow that stuff. We don't really cover that stuff here on Trips Tennis Talk. I would guess no, but I don't know for I don't know that. Going off on a tangent. Uh, have you guys seen the Sitsipas and Bedosa thing on Twitter or on Instagram the last couple days? Ridiculous. Anyway. We're not going to talk about that right now. Again, my comment from earlier. They still have only talked about one guy. They have not brought the other players that signed up for the series into this narrative yet. Yes, we have to know what a let is. Let's. 
Stop speaking before the point. You guys remember the woman with the drink at the Wimbledon final? I haven't thought about that for a year. Didn't that woman sue the tournament or something? Something happened with that. That was an unfortunate incident. I'm not going to curse on the podcast myself. Unless it's really warranted. Man, he is on the edge. It's like the full moon came out and, and the werewolf showed up. He is a guy that emotionally overshares. He emotionally performs. Curious. It's probably a combination. It's, it's probably a combination of all of the things in his life up to that point that, that release the anger when something happens to him on the court. So it's probably genuine from that uh, aspect. But also, he has to, it has to be somewhat performative. The percentage of Curios's on-court antics that are performative is greater than 0%. It has to be. It, it just couldn't, it's impossible for it to be otherwise. Oh yeah, it was an all-Australian final, right? And the men's doubles that time. Crowd's going nuts! This kind of behavior brings in the young male demographic as well, which is not the typical tennis demo that the powers that be would prefer the uh, typical demo being age 50 and above wealthy white men in particular but yeah the 20 the 22 year old guy that that is big into curios they cannot afford to buy a mercedes benz or a plane ticket to attend a grand slam and all the associated costs. Ew, don't, don't show me the pee. Don't show me the pee. Yeah, the doping. Players get tested for doping all the time. Djokovic won Roland Garros yesterday. He probably got tested for doping afterwards, but no one covered it. No one reported on it. Now we're back at the restaurant here from earlier in the episode. They haven't talked about anything else that was happening at this tournament, like Djokovic being deported, for example. They haven't touched that at all. So they haven't contextualized... Oh, there's his brother. His his brother is Christoph Christos. Is that what his name is? He tweeted me on Twitter once because I criticized Kyrgios for winning an Estoril or getting to the Estoril final or something. It was like 2014 or 2015. 
and he was being performative, and it was not impressive. It was not impressive, man. You gotta do better than that. You can't engage with fans. Stoop to that level. Boo. Bro, I don't know how we train. Like, now if I'm, like, really tired, yeah, I yeah, can't put in a good I know, session. you feel the last few years, yeah. huh? But now, like, but back then, bro, we were getting no more than... We were probably averaging two and a half to three hours sleep. And um, we were... Well, I was doing, like, four or five hours a day. You know what it was? It was because we were so looking forward to the nights out. Yeah, That that was... That's yeah, all that was fueling us. Yeah. Definitely, definitely rained it back and notch since then. Oh, definitely. However, I do want to bring it back for a small period. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's kind of like a bro type thing to say. Definitely seen each other at our best and worst, that's for sure. We've come a long way. I suppose we can legislate, um, is bro culture good or bad? So I've kind of identified what I believe bro culture is. What is it? Is it warranted? I'm going to have to think about that. My initial reaction is no, it's not warranted, but I can be kind of a serious guy. I'm kind of one of those uptight type guys. I can be uptight, so kind of behavior that I don't like, like the bro behavior, I would thumbs down on that. I, 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 I would say there's not a merit to doing that. If he'd won a slam, everything would go away. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want him to win a slam. If he won a slam, it would all go away? I actually disagree with that. I don't think that's true. It would not go away. The media writers that have to make money, they would not allow that story to go away. They would still cover him like a tabloid figure. Hot dog shot. That that ball was out. Maybe not. Oh well, who cares? His brother was wearing a Pikachu hoodie during that final. Here we go. There've been uh, so many journeys together. The match editing here is not very interesting to me at all. It's not very good. Not 
Alright, here's match point for him. This is it. The sensations. Serving for your first Grand Slam title. The guy that said the quote a minute ago, if he won a Grand Slam, it would all go away. Did he mean this one? I thought he was talking about singles. Winning this, it did not change anything for him. So, I can pretty definitively say that guy's claim was incorrect. Maybe it was biased. Maybe that's something that he performed that he said for the Netflix cameras because he knew he was going to be on Netflix. The authenticity of some of this stuff, again, is kind of impossible. Because to get the true authentic reaction, you kind of need to secretly film these guys, right? Which is, you know, obviously you can't really do that. I didn't expect in this time of my career to win a Grand Slam. It didn't change anything, though. He woke up the next day and he was still the same guy. And I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. It's there. Like, it's never leaving now. But that's also true. He's always going to be that the doubles champ that year. I feel proud of everything I've overcome. That whole journey to get here. Now we're into the closing moments here. They're wrapping up this episode. I'm one of the best players in the world. No, he's not. Like, you know, numbers-wise, he's not. But game-wise, he's maybe higher on the list. Coming up. We have a coming up segment on a Netflix show? That's not really how Netflix works, right? And yet, here we are. World number one's visa. Been oh, now they're talking about the deportation. <laughs> Wanna watch a movie instead of tennis tonight? When I was seven, I already had this dream of winning a slam. The thing missing from her, I said, you're too nice. You gotta be a little bitchy out there or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was Chris Everett with that quote. The thing is, tennis really pushes you to the limit. Woo! Sport, man. Crazy. Alright. And uh, now they're rolling the credits. We are purists here on Trips Tennis Talk. We're going to uh, keep it going through the end of the credits. On Netflix, we choose the Watch Credits option. Keeping an eye out on the list here for people that I recognize. I probably won't. Um, but yeah, that was episode one of Breakpoint. I thought it was okay. Did I enjoy it? I'm going to say yes, I enjoyed it. I'm going to go with eight out of ten. I thought some of the coverage of the matches was not very good, and I thought some of the explanation of the rules did not really interest me. Again, who's the audience going to be here, right? Um, um, and it looks like we're coming... This is it? There's 53 seconds left, but it's over. 
What are they going to show in the 53 seconds? Uh, dubbing? Okay. Um, I think we are done to go. We're finished here. I'm going to hit the pause button there. Um, so, yeah. That is episode one of Breakpoint. And um, next time, we'll commentate on episode two. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and we'll do it again soon.